Welcome to St. Martin the Fields, and welcome to great sacred music, and happy all souls. Well, in fact, not happy all souls, because all souls is, as it's properly called in the Anglican Communion, the commemoration of the faithful departed, is a day for being really, really sad and incredibly Catholic. So we're going to keep those two things in mind for the next half hour. You may have woken up this morning and said to yourself, it's All Souls. Why is All Souls not celebrated in Easter season? Because you'd think it's about the resurrection of the dead. Therefore, it should be celebrated Easter season. The reason, the answer to that question, I don't know if it was the question you woke up with this morning or not, but, but the answer to that question it gives an insight to the power of the monastery of Cluny, the great Benedictine monastery in France, in Burgundy, in the Middle Ages, because in 998, Odilo, of, uh, abbot of Cluny, decided that all the monasteries founded by Cluny would move the celebration of All Souls to the 2nd of November. And he was such an influential man, and Cluny was such an influential monastery that the whole church moved, except the Orthodox Church, who still mark All Souls in Easter. If you know your books of Maccabees, you'll know that in 2nd Maccabees, in the Apocrypha, uh, there's a passage that encourages the efficacy of prayers for the dead. The, the practice goes back to catacombs times, the very beginning of the Christian church, and it's mentioned by Tertullian, the great early church historian, uh, uh, theologian, around about 200 AD, but it's obviously a very controversial practice, and if you're very, very Protestant, you think it's absolutely terrible, because it takes away from the saving efficacy of Christ's uh, crucifixion and resurrection and belief in his name. But if you're very, very Catholic, you think it's absolutely marvelous. Now, we're going to start by singing a suitably really, really sad hymn together. Um, it's our tradition at uh, All Souls to, sorry, a tradition of great sacred music, always to sing a hymn at the beginning together and towards the end as well. Be Still My Soul, which you can find on the inside of your sheets. If you haven't got a sheet, they're available two-thirds of the way towards the back as you came in. This was written in 1752 by a woman called Katharina Schlegel. If you know who she was, you're doing better than pretty much anyone else. No one really knows who she was. The person we've really got to thank for this hymn is Jane Borthwick, who translated it in 1855, and we know quite a bit about Jane. She uh, was a member of the Free Church of Scotland. She wrote, she published 69 translations of uh, hymns with her equally prolific sister in a volume called Hymns from the Land of Luther. She lived in Switzerland, also published Alpine Lyrics in 1875, a real Germana, Germanophile, and was very much involved with the Moravian mission in Labrador in Canada. So quite exotic missionary work as well. This originally had a, a tune composed specially for it called St. Helen, but it took off when it was set to Finlandia by a Presbyterian publication in the United States. As you probably know, Finlandia was written by Jean Sibelius during the Finnish struggle for independence from Russia in 1899. We'll remain seated. The voices will stand uh, as we sing very sadly be still my soul.
well, we're now going to hear Hubert Parry's uh, setting of Lord, uh, let me know my end. That's to say, uh, verses from Psalm 39, beginning at verse 4. Uh, Psalm 39 is associated with all souls because it's a reflection on life in the face of death, a reflection on our mortality. And the, the part of Psalm 39 set by Parry has four parts to it. It begins by expressing the awareness of life's brevity. Uh, it then moves to re a request for respite from life's blows. Uh, it then explores whether or not hardship and death are forms of punishment by God for sin or whether or not that's the case. Uh, and then it concludes with a supplication for divine mercy. And I think the, the way to listen to this psalm, to sing it perhaps, uh, is not so much to explore the philosophical dimensions of each of those four sections. It's perhaps rather more to, to recognize what it's like as we all face very soon, in the case of some of us, at a later date for others of us, what it's like to face up to your mortality. I was with somebody this morning who was facing up to their mortality, and I think this is wonderful, wonderful choral music to guide us as we emotionally, as well as philosophically, face up to our own mortality and the prospect of our own death.
Well, you've got to remember he's the same guy that composed I Was Glad, so he had a pretty wide emotional range, I think it's fair to say. We're now going to hear the funeral icos, which is uh, a piece of music associated with a burial rite, a burial rite of priests. If you are very, very, very serious and very, very, very Catholic, what can happen is you wake up one morning and you find you've become Eastern Orthodox. And that's pretty much what happened to John Tavener. Um, and when he was 37 in 1981, he composed this remarkable piece uh, inspired by Stravinsky, but fortunately not quite as sophisticated uh, as Stravinsky. Uh, much of it's in unison, allowing us to sense the full impact of the words and that sense of solidarity of priests being joining uh, the communion of saints that comes through very strongly in this piece, very, very somber.
Well, I'll tell you something you didn't know. Abide with me was not written for the cup final. No, I don't think you really believe that, but it has been sung at the cup final for many decades and is synonymous with it. Um, but if you remember, I said at the beginning, uh, all souls in some ways really ought to be celebrated in Easter season. I bet you've never thought of abide with me as an Easter hymn. But actually, if you think about the words of the Emmaus story, when Jesus is walking with the two companions on the road to Emmaus, they say, abide with us for the day is fast ending. And that's on the evening of Easter day and he was made known to them famously in the breaking of the bread. So abide with me is originally an Easter hymn. H.F. Light wrote it very shortly before he himself died, very much influenced by Henry Vaughan's poems. You might you know the anthem, My Soul, There is a Country, based on a Henry Vaughan poem. But it is, uh, it's, it's about the end of our day, obviously a reference to death, but the day that it's the end of is Easter Day. So there is joy deep within this rather somber hymn. We, we remain seated, voices stand and lead us as we sing Abide With Me.
Now, we're coming to the end of Great Sacred Music for this week. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. You can't really call it enjoyed, can you? But I hope you feel ennobled and more in touch with your mortality after half an hour together. Uh, if you have, if you have enjoyed it, uh, there's an opportunity to make a cash donation as you leave or swipe a, a card over a machine, uh, or you can contribute by text or go on the website and make a contribution if you like. It's all appreciated, particularly as we're coming up in a couple of weeks to a very special anniversary. Two weeks' time, there will be Great Sacred Music next week, but two weeks' time will be the 10th anniversary of Great Sacred Music, and what's one of the great, great anniversaries of this century. So um, a very special day for all of us who've been involved with Great Sacred Music over the years. If you can make it or if you can join us online to help us celebrate that anniversary, we'd be absolutely delighted. We're going to finish with Joyce Grenfell, not associated with somber things at all, the niece of Lady Astor, born into an Anglo-American family, became famous for her humorous monologues and songs. She was actually a Christian scientist, interestingly. Um, this, I think, sums up her philosophy of life perfectly. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.